We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with stupendous Sean Nash and Alex, night two of WrestleMania Gibson. How's it going, boys? <laughs> what, a, what a letdown he is, isn't he? I'm just kidding. Wow, I was just going to say, is that a compliment or is that an insult? I don't know. It should mm. be a compliment. That's Lesnar and Reigns. Mm. But, uh, mm, we all have to stay up a little too late than we'd want to on a, on a work night and then come watch that. Come on. Come on now. We're traveling to see it. It's a complimentary we're thing. We're traveling to see friends and we're going to happen to be in, we're going to like happen to go to the show too. We're going Perfect. for the tailgate. Uh, That's maybe right. put a couple people through a table or two. That's yeah. And let's then, hope so. And speaking of going places, uh, how about that Matthew Stafford, Sean? Going to the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl. your Lions. Going to Disneyland, <laughs> hitting the Super Bowl first. It's it's amazing to see. I'm so proud of him. Ugh, you guys should not be happy about that. Okay, so <laughs> we are wrestling elitist. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. Please subscribe to the show via iTunes or Spotify, and give us a five star review to help the show out. Uh, you can follow us, of course, at Twitter at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. Have a question you want us to discuss in the show? Well, feel free to add one to the comment section or tag us at Wrestling Latest Podcast and we'll discuss whatever it is that you want to talk about on the show next week. And last but not least, please visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com to get our latest match ratings and articles, uh, including my evaluation of Royal Rumble 2022, which I was not a fan of. And we'll talk about that later in the show. But Sean, give any new listeners here today uh, the format of what we do on the show. The weekly format, as always, is our match, moment, news, and cringes of the week, along with what we're anticipating in the weeks and months to come. But this week, I think we need to start with the question question that's been on all of our minds, even the listeners. Chris, how was your first AEW live event? It wasn't a premium live event, but it was live nonetheless. No, no. How did you feel? It was fun, though. We'll start with that. It was a very fun show. F-U-N. Very fun. You fucking end. It was fun. No, it was a good show. I liked it a lot. Um, I was very impressed with the thing that initially stood out was how over everyone was. Uh, It's very clear watching the show, being there live, how much the audience is into everyone. There wasn't um, a match that really felt dead. I mean, obviously, there's going to be matches that have more volume, have more heat than others, but everyone seemed to be into all the acts. Uh, there wasn't anything that was just dying. There, there wasn't a character that had go away heat. Uh, it was Wardlow's uh, hometown, so he got the loudest pops of the night, and MJF got the loudest heel heat. But uh, Wardlow really did stand out in terms of capturing everyone's, I don't know, attention and being the star of the show. Um, I think in the audience, you would say probably, what, like 60 to 70% full in the arena, only on the side of the hard camera in the upper row did you have just total missing sections, but it was a loud, active crowd. Um, I don't think had the best lineup in terms of star power, but it wasn't bad by any means. Again, everyone was super into Wardlow. Everyone was into punk. Um, you did have stars in some major matches that we'll discuss later on. Um, I thought it was a great show. It was the second best show I would say I've been to, uh, not including WrestleMania 23. And you're not going to you know, top the future president getting poorly stunned by steve austin that's just not gonna stop that <laughs> that is hard to top yeah, yeah it, was, it was a fun show definitely definitely one thing i would say i was shocked by was how just incredibly over john moxley is like and i know that he was technically in his home state and everything but i i mean i've always liked mox but god when he comes out and he's like walking through the crowd you're just like this guy's so fucking cool yeah he's, he like he does feel like I don't want to do the cliche of comparing somebody to Stone Cold or anything like that, but he does feel like the closest thing we have to that in terms of his presence and just the way it feels when he comes when his Agreed. music hits. He comes out. Uh, our buddy, our buddy Bird, he got to give him a nice slap on the back as he was walking through the crowd. Oh, and uh, <laughs> probably got so, him through the night. <laughs> that, that was uh, just it was cool to be a part of that, especially with him so recently coming back and and just hearing the the reception that he got. And then Aubrey was also surprisingly over, People very over, really into Aubrey chanting to, to the night to the point where it felt like I wasn't in on a joke. Yeah, like yeah. It, felt, <laughs> it was too it's much. Kind of like how people probably react to Danhausen. It was like, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I, I felt that way about, like, how into people were about Aubrey. It was just like, ah, it's so odd. And, like, hey, good for her. It's nice. But, like, just fans were super into it. And then 
the fans in Cleveland were good. I didn't like we didn't get a bad fan experience as we didn't have obnoxious no. fans that were so out of control. You're going to always have, um, you know, the fat guy with too much beer who says something that's really funny inside his head that he belts a uh, bleats out, but it wasn't like anything embarrassing or bad. The fans were good. Yeah. Um, like I said, everyone was super over. Everyone was a hardcore wrestling fan and everyone had merch on and definitely had their own favorites that they supported. So it was a cool uh, show in terms of crowd participation and energy. This wasn't an apathetic crowd that was pissed off that they didn't get a show. They liked everyone was happy with what they got tonight or that night. Yeah. No one pissed off that they, they missed out on hangman. Some of us even dressed the part. Still no cowboy shit, but nonetheless, great show. <laughs> yeah. you know what? You can't you can't expect cowboy shit if you're not going to bring cowboy shit. So exactly. we did our part. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, all right, well, let's get into it with what we thought the match of the week was. Alex, kick us off. Yeah, I think all three of us were in, in agreement this week. It was Sammy Guevara defeating Cody Rhodes in that ladder match to unify the TNT title. Uh, just an absolutely insane match to be there for live. Uh, there were some spots on there when Cody, the first one that really comes to mind was, I think it was actually the first major one that they hit, Cody hitting the uh, suplex off the ladder. Uh, I was actually really nervous when he was going for that, uh, going to hit that. I just, I was like, please tell me this, this is like almost, I actually wanted it to be a tease essentially, where then, you know, Sammy would kind of go back on the ladder and something else would happen because I just didn't think that that could be done safely. And then going on to, uh, Sammy hitting that cutter off of the ladder and then, you know, eventually Sammy hitting his kind of a little bit of a lazy swanton onto uh, Cody as well. Just some absolutely incredible spots there. They both put themselves on the line and there was also the uh, crossroads off the ladder. Really good match. I, I think I had it at three stars. I don't know. I believe you two did as well. And overall, to me, as much as I enjoyed the match being there live, it didn't there was nothing about it that felt like a match I needed to watch again, really on the other than maybe to talk about it for this. Whereas, you know, I saw some other people were rating it higher and to me, it just didn't have that truly memorable feeling other than the spots. And I don't think that spots make a match, you know, four or five stars, I think story and kind of everything else around it makes it that. So while it's a three-star match, it's probably if we, if our scale allowed for it, probably like a 3.75 actually, it was, you know, a, a higher, a higher than average three, but absolutely crazy. I'm so happy we got to be there for that. That was my first ever ladder match and probably will be one of the better ones I ever see live. Sean. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think being there live really helped push it towards that 3.75, the higher end of a three. Otherwise watching this on TV probably would have ended up just being a, a throwaway three. Um, it's cool to see those spots were crazy I, I think that the crossroads off the the both ladders that was probably my favorite just so much so much in the moment and really got the blood pumping to start the show really got the enthusiasm there cody's got a uh, one pillar left i think to lose to in jungle boy i think he's finally lost to all the other three but um other than the greatness of during the match and like post post match i guess now it's kind of got me wondering like where does this leave cody again we're kind of just in a holding position with him of what where's his go what's what's his next move and really sucks after that like really awesome promo that he had the week before setting up the match but now we're back to classic cody no fun what were your thoughts chris um i love the match i gave it three stars as well just because i gave it three stars doesn't mean i i don't have high feelings for it i mean i liked it a lot it just wasn't um an all-time five-star classic uh, some of those spots, yes, were absolutely insane. Uh, I think what helped that suplex spot, just that pause. I know he did it just for safety's sake and to level and get Sammy above him, and he's not kicking off the ladder so he could do more damage and harm, but just that drama of Cody holding um, Sammy up a la Davy Boy Smith just really made that seem frightening, especially with how high they were. Uh, the spot that they did where the ladder was upside down and he just – slammed uh sammy like an affront suplex kind of inverted spot on the ladder itself that looked brutal as fuck there's no easy way to take that bump that was crazy and then that senton was just also rough too on sammy's body that looked like it hurt like fuck um the cutter was great i have a friend who 
uh, doesn't watch wrestling anymore, Laps fan, but he saw that on Twitter and was like, oh, that looks so fucking cool. And I was like, I was there. He's like, no shit. And we talked about wrestling. And so always a great way to connect. And I guess that's what crazy spots can do. Uh, the thing that took it down for me, I think the lack of selling at times, um, the, Sammy not selling the knee whatsoever after Cody put the work in on it. Um, I like the finish that it was simple, but after nearly killing themselves, it is a little bit understated when you watch it again live, but um, it is what it is. Uh, I, I did think Cody worked heel and in the crowd, he really came off like a heel. I mean, he had probably the third most heel heat out of anyone on the roster that night, with the exception of MJF and Britt Baker. Uh, he was the most over heel and he really did wrestle like a heel throughout the match. And I like that version of his character the most. That's the one I prefer as opposed to the altruistic Cena-ish character of uh, Cody's. Um, I don't know where they go with this next, what Sammy's new thing is going to be, but hell of a show. Fucking liked it. When Cody came out, it felt like in the entrance, because the entrance didn't air on television, they had them come out prior to Dynamite starting. It felt like he was kind of feeding in a little bit more to the heel side too. Like it, like he was even kind of he was even kind of encouraging it until until the cameras were truly on. Then all of a sudden he kind of was doing his his middleman Cody type of a type of a routine. I just I want to say like Sammy, I'm realizing more and more is just somebody that I need him to figure out who he is as a wrestler, as a character. I think we've kind of talked about this in the past, but he does so many cool things that I mean, after that match, really, he should be like my favorite wrestler right now because of all the crazy stuff that him and Cody did. And it was a good match and all of that. But ultimately I just still don't care about Sammy. And I really hope that in 2022, he figures out who Sammy Guevara is uh, and, and kind of leans into that because otherwise he's just going to be, you know, he's going to be the same way I feel about like Will Ospreay where Will Ospreay, I'm just like, I don't really get it. You just do moves that make yourself look like a superhero and that's, that's your character, but you're not a superhero. So it's something that, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that can help him uh, figure that out on the roster. And and I hope that it happens because I, I actually want to be a fan of his. I just can't connect. Yeah, he needs to lose like one of his hand gestures. He's doing the the finger guns now. He's the, I'm crazy. He would do that like Burt Reynolds sexy pose in the middle of the ring, like in his tongue out all the time. There's just there's too much. Lose something, lose a gimmick and just stick with one. And he thinks that he, I've never seen somebody who thinks that a middle finger is a cooler thing than him. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like a five-year-old once they finally learn. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, he just found out about it last week and he uh, is, he is using it. <laughs> it's kind of AEW wide. I just hope he doesn't lose the Burt Reynolds sexy pose. You just can't yeah. give that up. That's, that's good shit, pal. Nah. Um, I think, yeah, he does need to have uh, more of a character defining trait or at least a hotter rivalry. I know they have the open challenge gimmick, but okay, have them face Tony Nese, um, have them face uh, Andrade. I mean, there's a lot of um, guys, and we talked about this amongst ourselves in the show. Um, there's so many guys in the roster, which is fine. There's a huge roster for UFC. There's a huge roster for a lot of sports leagues, and they market themselves as a real sport. That's fine. You just want an explanation as to why certain people aren't wrestling or aren't at the show. I'd be cool with everything beyond that. So let's go into what we thought was the moment of the week. Alex, start us off. Surprise, surprise. MJF and CM Punk. <laughs> uh, I love that we got to a, be a part of this. Feud. Oh, a part of it. Like we weren't truly a part of it, but we got to be there. <laughs> he live was for part of you when he were a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he heard you cheer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure they heard. They sure heard Chris laugh when MJF like ripped Cleveland. <laughs> you know what's funny is I have two clips that I, I I recorded both from that ladder match, and in both of them, right before I end it, you just hear Chris like do that little chuckle, like <laughs> like right <laughs> at, both times. I send them to friends, and they're like, "Is that Chris laughing in both of those clips?" <laughs> uh, but back back to the matter at hand. Uh, really happy that we got to see a, a promo battle between them. Actually, like if I had to choose between seeing those two have like what we saw there and the match, the match would be my choice. But it wouldn't be as simple of an answer as you would think. Yeah, because because they're both so good at talking. They're both so just intriguing, and they those two I feel like they're they're almost made for each other. 
And it was it was interesting to see because how many weeks in a row have we seen MJF do the you want to see insert city, you know, here, me face me face CM Punk, you want to see it? Well, next week I'm gonna give it to you. Or not see me. You want to see that match? Well, guess what? I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give you Sean Spears, or I'm gonna give you a Wardlow. Like he kept doing that. So it was actually kind of surprising to hear him say MJF versus Punk. I I was in my head like, is this is he gonna bring out Johnny Gargano or something like that? But then I was like, why would Gargano be with a heel? Like I was I was working in my mind all these different op- like options that there really was because I didn't think he was going to say MJF for CM Punk. I thought there was going to have to be something where he got kind of forced into it more. Um, so that was good. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really like that Punk has allowed not only MJF, but other people since he's been back to really rip him for leaving the fans and, and do that whole kind of thing. Like I was kind of worried that Punk would be like sensitive about that. And um, it just plays so well because it's that little bit of truth that always makes the heels the best heel when they, when they've when they're saying something that isn't completely false, but they're like twisting it or something like that. That's to me. That's that's usually when they're the most compelling. So overall, I, I just enjoyed it. Didn't love that he came out in the long boys, but uh, you know, oh, I, regardless, regardless, Trash. he was still my moment of the week. So, what did you guys think of that segment? Yeah, other than other than the long boys, it was great. It was cool to see that kind of like the decimation of him before the match, and then like you were kind of saying, he finally gets to M- finally saying his name MJF in Chicago. Of course, it happens in Chicago. They don't do anything outside of Chicago, but it makes me wonder: like, is this actually going to happen? Is is there going to be some kind of fuckery mm-hmm. within the in this week's episode? We'll see. It's got me uh, uh, definitely jonesing for it, but. Please come out in the trunks. That that was blasphemous. Oh, I bet you heard me chuckle on some of those videos when you saw him <laughs> come out with those pants. I was wrong <laughs> to that. Um, I like the fact that he wore them, though, because it did signal that he wants to have a match. It, yes. it does show that he's wanting to do it and that there's a chance of it happening that night as opposed to him just being in street clothes. I know it's a tiny detail, but it does make it seem like, okay, maybe there's a chance of it happening. Um, we talked before on the show of it's going to be so hard for certain wrestlers to never let that go of him walking out in the company. This was the site where it made sense and it was totally relevant to do it in Cleveland because he walked out here uh, years ago before that raw after the Royal rumble. So this was the perfect spot for that. And those emotions were raw Um, being there live. Punk was the most over wrestler, not anymore Wardlow. So I don't think anyone cared and, you didn't have like weird fans calling him a quieter or quitter or anything like that. Um, and acting like he was on uh, the kind of shit that he said he got on Cabana's podcast. But I like, again, MJF working that work shoot. He talked about the lawsuit stuff. He, he referenced things that were very inside that made it feel very real. I'm sure those two completely get along backstage because of how money they are together. They may not be the best of friends, but I would assume that they love what they bring out of each other. MJF really is the best promo right now in wrestling. Um, such a fantastic fucking talent. Like just how captivating he was live. Uh, that was a highlight for me too, because he just felt like the real deal. That didn't feel scripted. It didn't feel like he labored that over in his head. It felt like someone who was a genius speaking at a elite level and could just at the top of his mind say the shit. Um, I thought it was an incredible promo. I love the beatdown too. They stretched things out. Wardlow did the power bomb too. Um, kept that momentum going, so you don't know where it's going to go next. I suspect in Chicago they might do the old Jerry Lawler SummerSlam '93 route, where Jerry Lawler came in pretending to be injured, uh, and maybe that's what they'll do to have someone replace MJF and they'll fuck him. Or they might actually have. Uh, CM Punk lose in Chicago because they come to Chicago so often. I don't think it would kill the market or hurt it if you had them lose there. I know that's kind of a big WWE type move to do, but who knows? Um, I'm okay with uh, whatever they want to do with the finish of that because everything is so solid in terms of their promos. Now I'm interested. So you, you just brought up Punk potentially losing in Chicago with the whole kind of side thing going on with Wardlow also, does that do you think that that signals that that Punk has to lose this feud because then Wardlow needs to go against MJF like at a fully like heated level? Possibly, or it could be um, 
Yeah, you know, I think it, but it, he doesn't. Maybe this is what gets um, MJF to Hangman, and they do that now, and they rush it, and they have Wardlow turn then. I mean, it doesn't give Punk mm-hmm. anything to do for the pay per view, but that could be an option. I mean, I think it's likely that Punk's going to win and he's going to face Hangman, but you know, I don't know because they need to do something with Adam Cole though too. There's a lot of guys in that upper crest where I don't know where things are going to go, but that's exciting for us as fans where you don't know, and you're not going to be put off by option a, B or C. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's pretty crowded at the top right now, but that's something that's been in my mind. Every single time they tease a Wardlow turn is like, how do they, how do they, the fact that they're doing this kind of to like this feud and then this kind of side boiling feud with MJF. I'm like, it's got me actually overthinking how this CM Punk and MJF feud ends up going because there's part of me that thinks like, does Punk win and MJF blames Wardlow in some fashion for it? That's kind of what causes him to turn. Does, uh, does, does MJF win? And then Wardlow kind of gets his, his first kind of big feud battle against a, MJF who just beat CM Punk best in the world in his first you know, the first feud that Punk has lost since his return. Yeah, okay, it just came to me in, in, in a flash. So I think they're going to do the Adam Cole and Hangman match at Revolution because Adam Cole didn't get the loss officially. Uh, Punk will beat MJF and then Wardlow will turn on MJF and Wardlow will be in the six-man ladder match because MJF can't get in there himself because of lack of wins. And as you stated before, the contract states that he gets his contracted rights. So why does he have to wrestle, make Wardlow do it, and then he'll try to cash in and take it from there. And then you have those two wrestle on the next pay-per-view. That's my assumption. Could be wrong. But who yes. knows what they could do between now and then. Okay, we went really overboard discussing this. Sean, what was your moment of the week? Yeah, that speculation was endless, but <laughs> I, I, I love it all. I'm I'm down for any single one of those. Uh, my my moment doesn't have that much uh, speculation to it. Uh, simply just probably the best moment of the Royal Rumble last night. Uh, Seth Rollins Shield entrance, little troll job on Roman Reigns. It was perfect. He, I think, uh, Chris in in the article you just posted, you kind of asked the question of like, what is Seth Rollins' character? I think it's just an internet troll. Probably like most internet trolls are probably hopped up on some Adderall makes makes kind of sense but <laughs> I, I just think that's what he is it's just a little troll and he, he kind of doing it perfectly because he's very hard to to like right now as, as a lifelong seth rollins fan ask some kids ipad video of a 2013 raw show that we went to i love seth rollins he bought in he bought in he did not sell out but it was just great little callbacks to to the shield days probably the the last great thing that wwe's done the spears into the pedigree uh and even Roman Reigns getting his, his little last laugh and getting the chair shots in on Seth like he did to break up the shield. Like I said, probably just the best thing that happened in the Royal Rumble. And it was fun to see as a, a former shield lover. So did you guys catch it at all? Yes, he was really far out there too. It was funny, like how far he came out from the crowd. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. Um, what did I call Seth Rollins in the article? Like the jittering uh, personification of a snorting Adderall? Yeah, like a snor- uh, yeah. snorting Adderall addict. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's com to read the article and find out exactly yes, what. Yes, WrestlingLeaders.com. Yeah. And then put it in the comments and shoot it back to us, and we'll we'll give you a <laughs> shout out. Sure, he'll just love that. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you fucking chose your character, dude. All right, so my moment of the week was Cody Rhodes' backstage promo that he did after his match. I thought this was the best Cody promo I've ever seen. I was an f- absolute fan of this promo because what he did is he talked about winning, the importance of winning and why that title has so much meaning and merit to him. Um, I get why they didn't play it on the show because he's been doing this heel character um, and maybe it just wouldn't have landed right. And in front of the live crowd, we wouldn't have heard everything. But uh, getting to see this on Twitter after the show was fantastic. I loved what he said about how much it matters to him to win because winning brings you money. Winning gets you in first class, and winners have the TNT title, thus putting the title over as well. Um, he brought up the fact that he was a loser in WWE and kept losing, and this is why it's so important for him to take the winner's purse. I like the winner's purse line because it brings back old like 80s WWF and the kayfabe of Gorilla Monsoon talking about wanting to win the winner's purse. And it's just one of those little winks that he does as an old school wrestling fan that I think Cody does a great job of. 
Um, he talked about the importance of the title and why, again, it wasn't a secondary title, why it means so much to his identity, and he can't come home a winner to his family. So it just means a lot to him, and it reinforces one of the things that I love about AEW the most is that titles matter, wins and losses matter. And this isn't just randomly thrown together because, oh, fuck, we got to fill five hours of TV this week, pal. It's this shit matters. This is real. It has a it has a purpose for me. Now, the thing I didn't like is the whole reference to like, maybe I'll come out in the rumble, wink, wink. Um, that was kind of silly and didn't go anywhere. And who knows, maybe he was going to be in the rumble. I'd draft 18 of it, but <laughs> we'll never know. Um, but I, again, like I've shit on Cody a lot on the show and I've been very critical of how things don't make sense and his character doesn't make sense. But this was a great moment where he really did have a, he had a, uh, a motive and he had a drive and he had a purpose and he showed vulnerability as a baby face. And if you're going to make him a baby face, this is the version to make him a baby face as. And where was this promo like a internet thing that they put yeah, out or like, on, like yeah. their Twitter feed. It was like after the, it was like an exclusive like backstage interview. And he had like, I don't, I don't think he really was crying, but he was like faking emote, you know, selling the fact that he was emotional and starting to cry. And he brought up dusty and told the story of him as a kid. I mean, it's just like classic Cody Rhodes promo without breaking the fourth wall and without having all these inside shoot references. So uh, check it out on Twitter. It's like legitimately a great promo and some of his best work. And it's not overthought. It, he's very in the moment and it seems authentic. Um, and it's not authentic. He's acting. He's a good actor. And this was a good moment for him. So I liked it a lot. Um, again, we've been critical of, on Cody a lot in the show. And when he does something fucking awesome, definitely want to give him a shout out. I will have to go. I'll, I'll have to go out of my way to watch that because I generally don't watch like any of like the exclusive web content stuff. Just because I have one of those dumb brains that's like, well, if they didn't put it on the actual show, then it must not be that important. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's go into what we thought was our news item of the week. Yes. So, uh, Sean, former colleague, coworker, friend. Maybe not friend. I don't know if you knew him that well. Dan Housen debuted while we were in uh, Cleveland. And uh, it was funny because I had a thought. I saw somebody wearing a Dan Housen shirt when we were walking in. And I, I just had this random thought of like, Dan Housen could like be walking through these halls. And if he doesn't have his face paint, I would have no idea that it was him. Huh. And and I just had that like that passing thought. And then and I know he's from the Detroit area. So I was like, he could very well be at the show some in some form. And then in the lights out match, he uh, was essentially attached to a chair that uh, Adam Cole was pulling out from under the uh, ring. And I, I just thought that from for Danhausen's character and like his goofiness, that's kind of the perfect way to, to to have him debut. I actually I always wanted him to debut. Um, so you know, back in the early days of Dynamite starting. Uh, Chuck Taylor would tweet every single week that he's like, next week, I'm going to say, I'm going to say shit on live television. And Dan Housen, one of his gimmick things is no swearing because it'll get you taken off the air. So I wanted like the first time that Chuck Taylor says shit, like the lights to go out, like the Undertaker come is coming and then it pops out and it's just him like, like, no swearing. And then he attacks him. That would have been like the perfect debut for me. That's great. Second best debut is how he did uh, just in a weird way, basically curses Adam Cole to cause him to lose his first match since he's joined AEW. I know it's not against his record because it was an unsanctioned match, but uh, I just, I loved it. The crowd clearly knew who he was. You see all these people reacting online saying, who's Dan Housen? Blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, you can't complain every time AEW signs a former WWE guy and when somebody debuts that you've never heard of, yeah. you got to pick one lane or the other if you're going to complain okay. about that stuff. And second of all, I think clearly if you were there in the crowd, there were not a whole lot of people who didn't know who that was. Right. And they didn't have to say his name. It was a very kind of small moment in in the match, really, like the way that it all went down. And I mean, he was getting huge Danhausen chance as he just walked back to the to the back of the stage area. So first of all, I want to congratulate him. He's done such an incredible job just in like the two years, really. I just kind of found out about him right before COVID. He was going to have a match or his own show uh, through GCW's collective, him and War Warhorse were putting on a show. And that was kind of how I first came across him. 
and what he's been able to do in two years where a lot of people have had to get other jobs because the wrestling isn't paying the bills because they can't do live shows. He's built his career in those same two years. He knows how to get things over. He's got, I mean, people chant ass boys like they're uh, Christian called the gun club, the ass boys. That's the thing that Dan house started on Twitter. Um, they sell merch for that stuff. He was doing, he's been doing that stuff for months. I've kind of been of the mind that he's probably been signed for a while, uh, but just healing his leg. And now I'm going to just go ahead and I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and say that's true. Uh, you heard it live right here. Um, and First. he's just been, he's been, I, I'm excited to just see what he's able to do with the actual, uh, you know, network behind him. He was in the profile photo for AEW on TNT. You can just see his head kind of popping up in it. Uh, clearly they're actually going to use him as a little bit of a character. I love it. He's got, you know, he's influenced by the Simpsons and Conan. So I love his, his humor. And I uh, just want to say congratulations, Dan Housen. And excited to see what they do with him with the way that they've made Orange Cassidy actually a pretty big character, despite his comedy uh, kind of stylings. Uh, I can't imagine what they'll be able to do with him. Yeah, I mean, he sells a shitload of shirts. I mean, that's a big thing. And that's a huge revenue driver. And, um, you know, I've talked before, like comedy is not my favorite thing in wrestling, but if it's done well, I love it. And so I'm excited to see what he'll be able to do. Uh, I love Conan and Simpson, so I'm going to be uh, excited to see what he can pull off. And yeah, fucking guy sells. They didn't he sell the most shirts on that uh, data breach shirt company. Like, did he sell the most? <laughs> like, didn't he have like I don't know. So it's like I he's so. going to do well financially. Yeah, he had like two or three of the top ten highest sellers over the, like the past week or two, and the other five of the other ones were CM Punk, and he was outselling yeah. CM Punk. Yeah, congrats to him. It's crazy to have known known him from a, a former job that we both had to to now he's this and like kind of have a little knowledge of like him at sh- seeing him at shows working, but not to the extent of what Dan Housen has become being a fully signed wrestler. That's awesome. Congratulations. But with debuts, there's also returns. And my news of the week was uh, Ronda Rousey returning. Wins the Royal Rumble, probably going to be main event team media night one, hopefully, because that's when I'm definitely going to be the most alert for these these shows once we go. <laughs> um, I think I saw online she's kind of signed up for like two, two manias, so it's possibly going to be her and Charlotte this year, Becky next year. <laughs> Can't really do Becky now with what, how the hell they managed to screw that up. So it'll be fun. It'll be cool. Main event to see. Um, other than that, I think this was bound to happen, but here we are. Honest, honestly, she's the person that I'm actually really excited. When I saw that she came out at, was she like 28 or 29? 28. Um, and as soon as she came out, then you know, okay, that's who's winning the Rumble. Yeah. But I, it made me excited. Okay, like there's somebody that to me is a draw because Brock matches aren't really a draw for me. I just don't enjoy his matches really, especially if it's going to be Brock versus Roman. I feel like we've we've seen about every iteration that we're going to see of that match. And um, so it actually made me excited that it's not going to be like, I mean, there's still a chance that it'll end up being another triple threat match or something like that, but like another Charlotte versus Becky or something like that as that as the marquee women's match. I'm, I'm happy to be seeing Ronda personally. Yeah. I, I echo the same sentiment. Uh, that was my news of the week also. And uh, I talked about this in my article. Uh, maybe I'm part of the problem as not a hardcore WWE fan anymore, where I'm like, okay, I just want to see the biggest star or the one that's going to have the most marquee value. But she does, and Ronda's a legitimate fucking badass, and she's cool to watch. And Charlotte is one of the better workers, and she does put on interesting matches. And Charlotte lays her shit in, and there's always that chance of, like, Charlotte gets pissed and goes off script and Rhonda will fucking kill her. She does Start <laughs> so shooting. be like, that could be a very interesting match. That could be like survivor series 97 type shit of like Charlotte has ups and downs with the company and her stock rises and falls. And people think she's a bully. Mm-hmm. And uh, you hear a lot of backstage rumors that may or may not be true. Um, that could be very interesting if those two got into it and just did not get along on in their match and the buildup to it, that could be an incredible shit show. 
So we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't go down like Goldberg and Lesnar at WrestleMania 20, where it's just like uh, this awkwardness and all the fans let's turn get out of here. But um, that could be a really great match. And I think she has the logical choice and she's a big star. And she's, it's good that she's back. So I like seeing it. Um, the women's revolution wouldn't have happened, I think, to a certain extent anyways, if it wasn't Ronda's uh, impressive run in UFC and making women's athletics seem viable to Vince. So glad that she's there. Uh, let's go into what we thought of as our cringe of the week. Alex, what was yours? Let me tell you something, brother. The streets <laughs> of Cleveland. <laughs> the streets of Cleveland uh, and their lack of snow removal, causing us to either have to choose between super wet, like almost knees because of how deep the snow was, or uh, walking in the street uh, at midnight against traffic. Um that's my cringe of the week. Let's maybe let's maybe get on that. I if I wanted if I had any political uh, affiliation or like a desire to run for office, I would go. I would move to Cleveland and I would run on just a platform of snow removal, clean these streets. <laughs> literally, yeah. Um, I do want to shout out to the drivers though because they clearly are used to that because they all got over and like respected that pedestrians were going to be walking in the street because there was not an option to walk on the sidewalk. I don't have a whole lot other to say um, other than get your shit together, Cleveland. Yeah, I said fuck it pretty quickly on that one, didn't I? I just yeah. started walking in the street and it was fuck like, it. Hey, screw this. I'm not getting my pants wet. <laughs> <laughs> I felt I felt like really nervous about it. I was like, I don't know how I feel. Not because of like, I was like, our car is going to respect this. And uh, but then like three people went walked in front of me and I was like, well, I mean, There's what's a the odds? they're going to they're going to hit the fourth person. Like, so then I was like, I'm good. I believe I was in front of you at one of those points. So that's great. It's good to know. That's where your head didn't say I was going to push you. I just, you know, but just Sean, what was your cringe of the week? Um, easy enough. The, the whole Royal rumble, all the outcomes, uh, Chris put it perfectly in his article on the website. There's so many people missing. No, no Finn Balor, no Cesaro, not, I think a single person from the NXT shows, at least on the the male side, I'm not totally sure on the women's side. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, the, for the men's, it just seemed like the, the writing was on the wall with the way Brock lost the match that he's going to enter at some point and he's going to dominate and win, and that's what happened. the The botched Kofi spot kind of feels like apropos for the whole Rumble as a whole. It just it was shit. It was it was all botched. Um, the only forbidden door that WWE was opening was just back up to the UFC. It, they they got, uh, what's her name, Mickey James from TNA, and that was the only other thing. It's just nothing new. Um, some articles on PW Insider kind of showed the, the Rumble plans changed about 20 times for each match. Uh, we're dealing with COVID time, so it makes sense. I mean, borders, visas, and, and people being sick probably causes a lot of changes, but didn't pan out for the fan. It's hard to watch. What do you think, Alex? I thought, first of all, one thing about the lack of stars is also there's a real lack of interesting music now. I know part of this is my problem because I don't watch the products super regularly anymore, but I felt like there was maybe four songs that hit that like when it hit, I was like, I know who that is. And there was, wasn't people that like there, the other ones weren't necessarily people that like I haven't seen. I didn't know Bobby Roode's music changed. And I, I guess him and Dolph Ziggler have the same theme because I think they're in a tag team together now, which, <laughs> oh, I can just imagine how many losses they have. Um, but I, I think overall, like they're just that that alone, like one of the things that was always special about WWE, especially when you look back in the Jim Johnston era was the music or there'd always be the glass shatter or some sort of a noise that makes you know that who's coming out. And then even the CFOs I thought were really good. And then they recently replaced them and whoever they replace them with, it's just like they, they go and find the generic loop on, um, you know, a garage band and then just like add a couple drums to it. And it's just not compelling. Also thought it was super interesting that the women's, the women's battle Royal or Royal Rumble, there was so many, so many like old stars that came in, in terms of like versus like new ones. And then the men's, there was none. There were no like fun nostalgia pops. Like I know, so like 
hacksaw Jim Duggan, I think, just had like cancer, so like it wouldn't be him. But like, there's no like. Did you want an hacksaw in there? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. Well, just somebody. Oh. <laughs> just somebody. Give me, give yeah. me some type of a nostalgia pop. Yeah, no, I hear it. Just Sergeant. Yeah, I don't even like. Give me Zach Gowan for all I care. Like, I just Ooh. want somebody local plug. Detroit, Detroit man. Um, but that's to me like the weirdest thing was the men's just there was no interesting like surprises and then the music like i genuinely had to wait until they said the name of whoever it was that was coming out and then otherwise i didn't know who it was and that's that's not to me what entrance music is all about yeah i mean they could have tempered expectations by saying like medical clearance this will be a 30 person rumble royal rumble or something just to highlight the fact that like hey we don't know who our lineup is going to be not because we overthink this but because of like eh, for science reasons or like we don't know if people are going to be clear or not now i'm sure everyone was cleared and they just vince couldn't stop fucking with the order and didn't like the creative i mean i wouldn't doubt that for a minute um the women's rumble yeah it had a lot of like veterans but they weren't veterans like trish stratus it was veterans like summer ray one fucking wants to see her like no offense i'm sure she's a lovely person in real life and great but like her character meant shit the funkadactyl uh lady like ivory was cool and like her uh playing the character that was fine and it was good to see mickey james back as a nice makeup gesture but these aren't stars and none of them are credible to win and no one from nxt and it's clearly just filling roster spots because they fired too many people. And you know what? They're going to fire a shitload of people again because now they don't have to put on a rumble. So there's going to be a lot of separations coming soon. That's what I think. But uh, yeah, women's rumble was really lacking star power. And it does show how they don't have anyone even coming up because Rhea Ripley's been on the main roster for two years. Belair has been on the main roster. They, those are their like young new f- stars and they don't make a big deal out of making them seem relevant. We've seen them before. Uh, there's no new crop of women wrestlers that look like the next big thing. Um, you just don't see it. So that's kind of disappointing right there. And on the men's side, um, absolutely everyone is irrelevant compared to Brock. Like, I love Brock. I want to see him win. I'm actually someone who's a fan of his shit. But I know that um, he's an acquired taste. And it probably does piss off WWE hardcores and stands that Everyone on the roster means absolute dick compared to Brock Lesnar. Like this one stat, oh god, it made me laugh. The fucking stat of like Dolph Ziggler's been in fifteen Royal Rumbles and he only eliminated twelve. And then like the next thing was like Brock Lesnar eliminated thirteen people last year. <laughs> Just like <laughs> yeah, I, shatters. When I when I heard that fact too, <sighs> I instantly was like, I wouldn't brag that he's been in. This is his fifteenth, yeah, and he's eliminated just, less than one per per show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was stupid. And then like talk about the other thing that was stupid like why do you insist on blowing off fireworks after it caught the crowd on fire almost like it causes this explosion and like that's such a good metaphor for fence of like <laughs> we're gonna still do it fuck you pal like fuck i it. just don't get it that was a complete embarrassment and like why would you do that just don't have fireworks play with music everyone's gonna be happy and like what happened to like in the past two or three years part of the 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 winnings of the Royal Rumble could have been the NXT championship. Like you, Charlotte Flair made that her match. So they just have completely given up on that. Not even put a single person in there who would be destined to go for that. Just awful. Just so dumb. But worse than that is hearing that it was originally going to be riddle bro winning the, yeah. the Royal Rumble. We would have gotten bro versus Brock. Check that final box. It would have been great ruined ruined my trip already <laughs> i mean i think they could have done yeah i don't know if they would they would have because god forbid we can't not have brock and roman but i would have loved to see um randy and riddle for the title i mean that would be fun. whatever it's it's an end of a storyline that's something but um yeah and it, it sucks for lashley like his win doesn't seem like it's important anymore because he's an afterthought he won their most important title and it's an afterthought because they don't know who's going to challenge him and they don't even know if he's a heel or a face or not. I don't know. Not a good show. Uh, not happy with it. So uh, I thought that was my cringe of the week too. Really shitty show. I wrote a lot about it on the website with a lot of anger and rage. So check that out at wrestlingthelatest.com. It's one hell of a snarky read. All right, let's go into what we're looking forward to though. So Alex, what are you anticipating next week, my friend? 
MJF for CM Punk in Chicago. I have so many questions on how they're going to do it. Are they going to actually have the match? It, it sucks because I feel like usually when, whenever this happens, I'm always like, there's no way AEW is actually going to do it. I don't, I just refuse to believe in them that they'll actually deliver on the match because I've been so conditioned since I was started watching wrestling that when they, when this type of a thing gets promoted, like a pay-per-view level match gets promoted on TV, it means that it's going to either suck or there's going to be some stupid interference that's going to piss me off or, you know, like there, there's no way that they'll actually give it to me. I should be a little bit more willing to believe it after getting Hangman versus Danielson one and yeah. two uh, back, you know, just a month or two ago. Same thing with even Danielson versus Omega, which that one, it ended in the, uh, you know, in the draw or whatever. So it was kind of a, a like in that draw versus the, the one versus Hangman, I think was a little bit of a cop out. But overall, they they usually deliver when they when they promote a match. They they try not to pull the rug out from you. Um, but I, I'm interested to see what they do because like we talked about earlier during when we were talking about, you know, moment of the week stuff. I just, I don't know with everything going on with MJF, what direction are they going to go into after this, which would kind of help me know what direction I think this feud is going to go. So. Bro, what if Wardlow turns on MJ or turns on punk? I did my shitty Vince Russo impression. I didn't even like, deliver it. Well, what a turn. Ward bro. Bro. No, uh, yeah, I mean, that's my anticipation, too. Um, I'll let you go next, John. But, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to as well. Um, I'm excited to see what they'll do with it. Um, I'm expecting a little bit of uh, probably storyline heavy, not match heavy. But if it is match heavy, fine by me. Like, it'll be cool. And I'd rather them uh, keep the moment for a pay-per-view in hopes that it gets a big buy and make more money that way. So I'm cool with whatever. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um yeah, so I'm good. Sean Boy, what are you anticipating? Yeah, without a doubt, that's just kind of the the biggest and most interesting story going on in AEW now. It just it keeps you coming, wanting to come back week and week to see what's next. But just kind of in ring, in match, for me, I'm looking forward to the House of Black versus Death Triangle tag team yeah. match this week. Uh, I think there were some hot promos. It kind of sucked being live, not being like in the, the natural flow of the show and seeing the promos hit when they do. But that was a great promo from House of Black. I loved the the foot stomps as Brody King approached from the, the complete darkness. Just their gimmick's so great. They're so great in the ring. Pox promos from, from overseas with the, the band-aid bandage over his eyes. Like I think Alex, you mentioned at the show, kind of like a daredevil look. It's so great. Four great wrestlers, two great tag teams. We I think we've seen every iteration iteration of Death Triangle with Pac, Phoenix, Phoenix, Penta, Penta, Pac, that we can. It's it's great. I, I'm excited to see maybe a little Pac floundering with the the House of Black. Who knows what's going to happen? I think you got to bolster up this this stable a bit. So I'm just excited to see some some great wrestling and a future story. Yeah, I'm thinking that's the storyline they're going to do as Pac turns on Penta and joins House of Black. That was my impression. Um, I'm totally cool with them just having a straight up ma- wrestling match though. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, cause Penta kind of needs something to do too, especially without Ray, uh, out for a while. So maybe having him get turned on and having a singles face run could be something. I don't know. Um, also wanted to shout out, uh, we had a winner in the battle of Los Angeles. Yeah. Daniel Garcia getting it done. He's, he's great. Of course. He just needs to get My something. Dad some uh, main event or t- TV time uh, wins. Come on now. Let's do it on TV. Dynamite. What's funny is uh, that is not a typical, you know, he doesn't have a very typical like PWG style. And so that, that was a really unique pick when I was looking at the, the lineup. Uh, I did not think he was going to win, which ironically I was originally going to pick, I would have picked Gresham, but then he, he ended up pulling out and he's kind of, you know, that very similar style as Daniel Garcia. So it'll be interesting to see him. Uh, who's the current PWG champion? Is it Bandito? I think it's still Bandito. So that'll be an interesting match for sure. Yeah. One last thing we didn't talk about yet. Uh, we were all excited to see Johnny Gargano at the show. Didn't debut, uh, but he did tweet about how appreciative he was of all the fans chanting for him at the show. So hopefully he does come back. Uh, but Sean, you mentioned in ride uh, or in uh, car number one, 
on the way home that uh, he tweeted something or there was a story about him wanting to take time off to be with his family and do that. So that's totally cool. And hopefully he uh, is happy doing that. And we are excited to have him back in wrestling. But um, I'm actually not disappointed because it was cool to see Wardlow have his moment. Um, after the show, he came out with Tony Khan and they had a moment with the crowd and just seeing him interact and um, having Wardlow be able to like talk and actually be on the microphone for an extended period of time. The guy can speak. He's not a bad promo. I genuinely think he's probably going to be champion in 2023 um, and be the new face of AEW. And not to mention, they sent Hook. We got a little bit of Hook sharing a bag of chips. Oh, Boy. Cute, cute little date between the two. But uh, I'd love to see that match. I felt so bad for Chris because like his big thing that he was anticipating was he was like, I want to see how over Hook was. And they brought out Hook when the least amount of fans were there. Right. <laughs> there was a lot of people that did not wait until that until that moment. And Tony did kind of awkwardly set it up. He's like, I have a friend who's going to we're going to send out and uh, he's coming. And then like they were trying to do something with Wardlow and then like Jungle Boy at the end. And it just didn't. It was like, what the fuck are they doing? And then Hook just kind of came out and gave him a chip and went <laughs> back. Um, but hey, we'll see uh, Huck some other time when uh, AEW hopefully comes to Oakland. Rochester, baby. Toledo. But not Detroit, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll go by me in the Plymouth Ice Arena. Well, oh, that's all we have for the uh, show today. So uh, we're going to wrap up by saying again, thank you for listening. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Visit WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles. And, of course, you can help support the show by visiting the website and sharing the content with the rest of the Internet wrestling community. And, again, please, if you have a question, ask us. We'd love to talk about it on the show and bring up whatever you have to say. So uh, thank you for streaming us. Rick Rude, hit the music. Hit the music.